I had such a, a wonderful time on the trail. I always wanted to be out there. I never wanted to not be out there. I had a really good hike. There was never these times where I I wanted to get off trail. There was times where I wonder what the heck I was doing out there, you know, why aren't I at home with my family or whatever like that. Usually when I was somewhere where it's just amazingly beautiful and, and uh, I didn't have a loved one with me to share that. the Hiking Through Podcast. I'm Erin Egan, and this is the podcast where I talk to experienced through hikers about their adventures on the trail and strategies for successfully completing a through hike. Today's guest is Russell, known off-trail as Russell Korfman. He hiked the PCT in 2018 at the age of 58, and as you can imagine, I was very, very interested to hear how it went. In this episode, we talk about surviving on bars, all different types of bars, Recovery on trail, feeling paralyzed after the trail between wanting the next trail and looking for a job, and those beautiful random acts of kindness that go hand in hand with the trail community. You can find this episode and all previous episodes at hiking-through.com, where you can also find show notes, photos, and links for any gear mentioned in this podcast. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcast and all the other podcast places. Enjoy my conversation with Russell. Hey, Russell. Hi, Aaron. Been looking forward to this. It was in kind of a bad way because I um, started working again in December and I haven't been working for a while and I'm trying to adjust to not being able to walk whenever I want to. So. <laughs> It's always good to talk trail and stuff with somebody. Now, did you take the time off before you hiked, or it just worked out that you you didn't have to work for that, I guess, that summer? So, in the, I, what was it, September in 2017, I got laid off from my job. And so, I didn't really try to look for anything new too hard because I was planning to hike the PCT in the next summer. And, um, and my daughter was going to go with me too, but that didn't work out. But so I didn't look too hard. And then after I finished the trail, I kind of started looking some more for a job. So, but again, probably not as hard as I should have, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I just ended up with a little over two years off. So, that was really nice. <laughs> yeah, it it is kind of nice to to slip in and out of the the work life. Yeah. Uh huh. Last year was a little different though because I was looking for a job, but like I said, probably not as hard as I ought to have. But I kind of felt paralyzed because I didn't want to take off and do something in case an opportunity came up. So, uh, you know the hiking season started and it's like, oh, I could just go hop on the AT and take no planning. Or maybe I could do the CDT and then, uh, and then it's like, okay, I didn't do anything. Well, I could do the PNT maybe. That's only a couple months. And 
then I figured, no, I could just go southbound on the CDT because it's time for that, or I could southbound the AT. And, but I just didn't really want to be gone in case something came up. So there's always lots of um, opportunities that came up that didn't pan out. So, uh, yeah, so I was a little felt a little paralyzed. I guess that's a good way to put it. I didn't want to go out and be gone in case something happened. So. I feel like that's kind of what happens a lot of the time. I know it happens for me a lot of the time, um, particularly when I work a lot of freelance because you never know when the next job is coming. And so you're constantly waiting. Yeah, you want to be available for a good opportunity. So, yeah, it was an interesting way to spend a year. Um, I had some other projects and... Like my wife and I took some time off and we went up to Cascade Lodge for PCT days and stuff and visited my mom and uh, her 90th birthday party my sister put on for her and stuff like that. So we got around, but really we didn't do much other than that. I was like, well, I sure would like to go do something, but I don't think I ought to at the time. Yeah. Now, when you when you were let go of your job, it sounded like you already knew that, that you were going to hike the PCT. Yeah, I was actually planning on trying to get a, a leave of absence. Okay. So I was working on that. And uh, I think we had already had the permit. No, it would have been too soon to get the permit. But um, yeah, my daughter and I were planning on it. And, and we were we almost went the year before, but things didn't work out. So yeah, so that was a plan. And then my daughter had some issues, so she wasn't able to to go in the end. So, so I was off by myself. Did she come out at all while you were on trail and maybe hang for a couple of days or just couldn't do it at all? So I live in Phoenix. So my mother, my mother, what's the matter with <laughs> My wife <laughs> and my daughter drove out to, uh, we spent the night at Lake Marina before I started. And, uh, then they dropped me off at the terminus of, on my start date. And um, I think my daughter just didn't want to walk it at all. I like originally, I think she was thinking of maybe trying to do the first day with me. And then I think she just, because she wasn't doing it, I think it was upsetting her to, to, to actually walk on it. So, um, so she, she didn't. So were you basically a solo hiker pretty much? Yeah. I never really hiked too much with other people. I'm, I mean, I met tons of people on, and I have some, uh, there's a, a group that we hiked around a lot, but we never planned. Okay. We're going to go here tonight. And then the next day, okay, we're going to go here. There was never kind of that. It worked out where we, did a lot of the night but um so there was a group that i was hiking around like the first few weeks a lot and uh but it was wasn't what i'd call like a trail family where we're all you know making plans together and anything like that there was a guy hillbilly and uh he had hiked at and he'd done the Continental divide trail before the bike route of it and um, so we ended up hiking together a lot, and we ended up 
spending the night in a room somewhere every once in a while when things happen that way, just because we were kind of going the same pace. But it, it was never really planned. Yeah, it was never, you know, tied to a, a group of people at all, the whole hike. How were you, because you were originally going to hike it with somebody and then didn't end up hiking with anybody, you know, permanently or as, like you say, as a tramley. How was that for you? Was it just sort of business as usual or did you have to kind of move yourself through the process of of losing that opportunity and then gaining a different opportunity, so to speak? Well, I was really looking forward to spending the time with my daughter. I always figured she'd probably dump her old man after a couple of weeks anyway. But <laughs> um, I, I've hiked, all the other trails I've hiked have been by myself. So that wasn't anything new or a worry for me. I mean, I hiked the Colorado Trail and, and that was by myself. I met people along the way, um, of course. And I hiked a section the Arizona Trail and I met a lot of people hiking it. But I, and one one man I met, we hiked together the rest of that section, and we actually got together and hiked the last hundred miles of the trail together to finish up our section hikes of it. So I have hiked with some people, but not many, and it, I, I can go either way, I guess. So I've done a lot of hikes in the Grand Canyon, and I'll usually do that with some people, friends and stuff. We'll plan a, a trip, and then we'll go and spend a few nights in the canyon and come out. And um, so those are always planned with people. But as far as a longer hike, it's pretty much been by myself. Yeah. How many miles were you averaging while you were out there? So I finished the trail in 132 days. So that's 20 miles a day. I mean, if you go 26, 50, you got about 132 like almost 20 exactly so yeah so and then i had um i think 10 zeros so i don't know i probably hiking days i probably average like 25 miles a day i don't know how'd your body hold up for that i had a couple of issues going into deep creek i had a problem with my right quad and I kind of took it easy for the next week until it was better. And then I had a shin splint that I got going into Dunsmuir. And so I took three days off in Dunsmuir. And then that got better and I was fine. My day-to-day recovery and stuff was really good. So I never felt tired. I never felt like a, a growing fatigue like that. I mean, obviously I get tired at the end of the day, but by the next day, I'll, I'll, my recovery was good. So, yeah, my day-to-day recovery was, I was really happy with that. So I had done a fair bit of hiking before I started since I wasn't working. I think I, I had, I don't know, 900, if I remember right, miles just in that year, so January through May. So I was fit enough. So I I could start out with 20-mile days. That worked out good. But yeah, my body, I think, held up pretty well. How I guess the flip side of that. So to, to preface this, you are, you are not 
the twenties and thirties group that that usually would hike these trails. Yeah, no, I was fifty eight when I, I just turned fifty eight, like a week or two before I started the trail. So, so your your action on the trail, your recovery during the trail, your nutrition on the trail is a it is a very great importance to me right now, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm ten years your senior, I think. So yeah, so. <laughs> so please tell me tell me how did it go so um some people ask me what that well how how i do that and i just say it's elder power so yeah old people got power so <laughs> i've been involved with with uh endurance athletics pretty much all my life i swam a lot in high school i started racing bicycles when I was in college and, and I raced that for 20, 20 some years. I was racing pretty seriously and stuff. So physically I had some background on how to, I guess, manage my efforts and my recovery. But yeah, food wise, like I just ate bars pretty much. I didn't take a stove, so I cold soaked. So I'd eat, bars and then at din- I, for dinner I'd have like a nor rice side or, and, and a packet of tuna or something and um, that's pretty much all I ate so I, I'd i start out in the morning and I'd, I'd, I'd walk away from camp with a bar eating a bar and then I'd basically eat a bar every hour so um, and, and throughout the day. So when it was light out and I was walking 12 or something hours, 14 hours, I eat like 12 bars or something a day. Um, so yeah, <laughs> lots of bars. And you didn't get sick of them? I, yeah, I can still eat the same bars. I, I'm like that though. I mean, I, I eat live cereal for breakfast, and I think I've been eating live cereal for like 50 years, every morning almost. So, <laughs> Since Mikey started eating it? Yeah, yeah, and I'm not named Mikey either. So, But I wouldn't eat like the same bars. I'd get like, I'd eat 12 bars during the day. I think the most I ate was like 14 bars maybe in Oregon when I'm walk a long day pretty easily i'd eat like various types of kind bars luna bars uh cliff bar maybe two cliff bars and uh i don't know a snickers bar and then i (laughs) I, a bar of a different kind yeah so it was all kinds of different bars and different flavor on the rx bars i forget i could probably I think I finally finished all the bars I had left over when I was done but um and then I get different flavors so basically each day I never eat the same bar more than once right so I might eat a couple different types of kind bars and uh luna bar and I like Bobo's bars for breakfast because they were almost 400 calories. So I'd kind of start the day with a Bobo's bar. And um, if I had a Cliff bar, if I had two, which wasn't that often, 
Yeah, Cliff Bars are like flavored bear poop, kind of what they look like. Um, so I, they, I'd have different flavors of the Cliff Bars. And um, so, yeah, just always different flavors. And usually even different flavors for a couple of days in a row. So I was never really eating the same thing, just the same type of thing. Right. You were kind of spreading the love around and that way you weren't getting necessarily sick of anything. Yeah. Yeah. So that worked out pretty good to me. So the worst time was I, I started out, I didn't want my wife to have to be burdened with sending me stuff or anything. So I kind of took care of everything and she sent like a different pack and my equipment for going into the Sierra to me. But when I got to Sonora Pass, I had her send some food to um, Kennedy Meadows North. Yeah. And I said, get me so many types of bars free. So, so I'd have like three days of food and, and a bunch of bars. And she got me three types of bars a bunch of times. So that was kind of bad. Because... <laughs> <laughs> She misunderstood. I wasn't clear on my directions on what to get me. And so she got me a lot of a few things instead of a few of a lot of things. So, oh, the distinctions. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like with the with the bars, like keeping the flavors mixed up or, or changing the flavors a lot and eating, you said, every hour helped to keep your energy levels up, helped you keep to keep you interested in the food? Well, you get so, <laughs> so you just always eat and, and you'll just always feel the need to eat. And I don't even know if it matters if you like what you're eating, you just kind of have to eat. And never in your life will you be so concerned about eating every single little crumb out of the packaging, right? So you eat the bar and something sticks to the side and you like make sure you get every little glass <laughs> crumb off the wrapper. Um, if your Snicker bar melts, you're like licking the wrapper to get every last bit of chocolate off the side of it. And, and if you drop your Frito, you're going to pick it up and eat it. And if you accidentally step in it, like something you cry over and stuff. So you're always just, you can't help yourself from eating. I mean, it just happens. And yeah, so I always could eat. That was never an issue. But I'm not a picky eater either. I mean, I eat the same breakfast all the time. So if you drop a Cheeto on the ground, what is it, what is the rule? Is it a five-second rule? Is it a 10-second rule? <laughs> well, if you found a Cheeto on the ground, you'd probably eat it. So... So it could be like hours rule. Well, it could be days. You never know. Yeah. But I don't know. I probably wouldn't eat Cheetos. And they just look like they're radioactive to me. So they I do. But they taste so good. Yeah. They probably do. I don't know. It, Are you saying that you're a Cheeto version? You'd have to like lick your hands afterwards too. I didn't like eating food that I had to lick my hands. I don't because you don't wash them for how long? Yeah, how long. true, 
True, true. Did you do much candy or were you able to pretty much stay away from that other than the Snickers? And yeah, I had a Snicker bar and I might have a peanut M&M too. So that's pretty much all the candy I ate. And then I carried around like a pound cup of Gatorade. So that was always pretty sweet. So I'd have that all the time too. So, yeah, that was my sweet. Yeah. So, but I guess a lot of the foods, the bars I got were chocolate type bars, you know, so the cliff bars that are basically chocolate on chocolate or um, the Luna bars that are, are not, the, yeah, that are like chocolate on something. So I'm like a chocolate hound. So <laughs> apparently, yeah, so I could eat chocolate all day and I do and I probably ought not to now, but so I always like the chocolate flavors over the other stuff. Did you have any issues with hiker hunger? Well, yeah. Didn't we just talk about that? Well, so. I guess you didn't necessarily <laughs> define it as hiker hunger, but like the ravenous type. Well, there's just always wanting to eat, I guess, okay. but I don't, yeah, that was kind of a gradual process. I probably didn't start getting really hungry until maybe a month and a half into the trail, somewhere in the Sierra, probably. Being involved with athletics and cycling and stuff in the past, I've, so much of my life's been where you can't, you just got to eat tons to, to maintain weight. So it wasn't a new feeling for me. So I, I didn't really think about it. Plus I, I think when you start out, like I was probably, I probably lost 20 pounds on the trail. So I, I think until that 20 pounds was lost, you, your body will just eat its fat, you know, burn its fat. So you're not going to get as hungry until after you get down to the weight that your body wants to be at. Cause your body's going to basically Ease its fat, and so and nothing came on fast for me. It okay. just came on more slow. How was your nutrition once you got off trail? So I'm as heavy now as when I started. <laughs> okay. And I probably got five pounds since I started working in December. So I take it you're at a desk job. Yeah, yeah, right. A nine to five job, and I got about an hour commute each way, so it's not fun for that. But yeah, I'm trying to figure out how I can start getting active again. I think that's the eternal question. Before I get too out of shape, I'm more I'm more worried about just not being able to do the stuff I like to do because it gets too difficult more than the weight. Yeah, if that makes sense. Totally. So if I can't, if it's going to be hard to get up, uh, go out and walk 15 miles, then I'm going to worry about it. Not this past weekend, but the weekend before I did a 25, 26 mile hike with some friends over all these mountains in Phoenix. And, um, and yeah, that was probably the worst I felt doing that with them. I think that was the third, fourth time I've done that with them. They do it every year, and that was the worst I've ever felt doing it. So, yeah, it's kind of 
disconcerting. It's is it time to start kicking your butt? I need to do more than just the weekend. So yeah. like leading up to that, I was just going out and hiking the weekend. I thought I was in better shape. I, I think there <laughs> might have been something else going on that day too. Because we got up the second climb, and I actually felt a little dizzy when we finished the summit of the second climb. So I, I don't know. My, I may have just been off that day to start with. Now, you were saying earlier about, you know, you'd hike all day and then you would recover, or that your recovery seemed to be setting you up for the next day. What kind of recovery were you doing? Uh, sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Literally just sleeping or, or just making sure you get your sleep? Yeah, that's pretty much it. I wasn't taking any supplements or anything like that. I may rub my legs out. I may stretch. So sometimes my if my quads felt tight, I'd stretch them that night and I might rub my calves out. And uh, so I just try to do things where where I could get the muscle ache out of the way sooner because mm-hmm. I can sleep better if my muscles aren't aching. I never took any ibuprofen. Wow. Oh, I did a couple times, but I I never took it to help me sleep. When I was going into Dunsbury and I, my shin was bothering me, I think I took a couple. But during the day before I start started walking or after I started, I don't know. But yeah, I probably took eight, eight vitamins the whole tour. So not bad at all. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I was just, I was blessed with good health in general and good recovery and no real pain except for the shin and the quad. Now pretty much it. How were your feet? I think we're good. Never had issues with my feet. I had some problems a couple of years before, and uh, and I started doing some exercises. So I always did these daily, these six exercises every day, and I've been doing that. And I think that helped my feet a lot. And I also worked on my technique a lot. I think people don't think about the technique or their mechanics of how they walk. And and I did a lot of stuff the last few years just trying to work on how I walked and walk in a more efficient, a more maintainable manner. And uh, so I, I did a lot of that. So, yeah, those exercises each day, I think, helped keep my feet stronger and then changing my walking style and to a more sustainable type of gait. I think those really help. Okay. You know you're not going to get away with just saying it like that broadly, right? (laughs) Well, I never know. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, what kind of exercises were you doing for your feet? Okay. There was some video that I saw on how to deal with plantar fasciitis. And um, so basically... Did have these six exercises, and I kind of split them up in the morning when I was in bed, and then before I went to bed. Um, but the ones I do in bed because they're easy is basically just squeeze your toes in and out. And I always did thirty reps, so just 
like squeeze your toes, kind of like you're making a fist with your foot. Mm-hmm. And then the next one is pull your toes towards your shins and back, but but relax your toes. So you're just moving your foot, straightening it out and pulling it towards your shin back and forth. And I do 30 of those. And then I get out of bed and I stand up and I lift my heels up. So standing on your toes and lift your heels up. And I do 30 of those. Oh, and another thing I do before I got out of bed is I basically grab my foot and pull, hold the toes and pull it towards my chin. So that would stretch out your fashion stuff. And then I do that and then I massage the sole of my foot with my hand. And then I stretched out again. And I wouldn't, I had, I was actually hurting my toes. So I, I stopped pulling on just the toes. So I wasn't stopped bending the toes too much. And then since I was in that position, holding my foot up and massaging it and stretching the, the foot that I also would put, you know, that exercise where you stretch your piriformis, where you like cross your foot over the knee on your other foot and then you yep. pull that knee towards you. Yeah, so I do that since I was You were there since anyway. I was right there. Yeah. So I do that. And then in the evening I do I stretch my calf. So basically I lift my foot up. So I get my toes up high and put them against the wall and my heel in. And then I just kinda lean forward just to stretch my calf out. But it's not like where you're standing away from the tree and, and like bending down. It was, it was I'm standing up and I have my, my toes up like, so my heel's close to the wall, but my toes are on the wall. Yeah, and no, then I know I exactly the stretch forward. you're talking about. <laughs> okay. So I do that and then I got like a, a super ball uh-huh. or something like that. And I'd roll, I'd roll my foot with the ball. Kind of like those cork balls that, that yeah. guy's selling. That America's selling, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then um, and then I do some other lifts, hill lifts, but I do it on the stairs. So I lower my hill. They start out low, and then I raise them up, and then they be low instead of like on the floor where you're just on the floor. So that's what I did. Did you maintain those on the trail at all? Not too well. I do the first ones where you just like flex your foot and move your foot in bed before you get up. Sometimes mm-hmm. when I think about it, and sometimes I I stretch uh, stretch the calf out. You probably when you thought about it was probably when it wasn't feeling uh, or when it was tight or sore or something like that. Yeah, yeah, but I didn't have a ball to roll my out. I suppose I could have used a rock or something, but I know <laughs> that probably wouldn't work too well. But I do. I could do the massage, but I mostly just massage my calves and thighs. I did a lot of self-massage when I raced bicycles, so I was fairly. I knew how to do that. Nice. Stuff. Yeah. Now the other question that I had or had was. When you say you changed your gait, what does that mean? Or what were you trying to evolve to gait-wise? Okay, so I walked, my steps were too long 
which basically makes you, when you have long steps, your body tends to lean back too much and you'll tend to land on your heel and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I shortened my steps and I kind of started standing more straight or even leaning forward. So you're almost falling from step to step. So a lot of shorter steps and just faster cadence, shorter steps. So kind of the barefoot thing. I, I got some minimalist shoes to help with that because landing on your heels and sandals and stuff isn't real comfortable so (laughs) no yeah yeah it sounds like it's similar to what they say for for running smaller strides quicker cadence or shorter strides i should say yeah exactly that's what it is so i kind of took a cue from the barefoot running type thing Mm -hmm. Did it seem to help? Yes, I do think it helped. I think it helped a lot. And it it's just feels really weird now because I'm wearing work shoes all the time. I go on the walk when I can at work and it's like this feels really strange walking <laughs> shoes. So what were you wearing shoe wise while you were out there? I wore the Alps Lone Peaks. I actually got Alps for way back in 2015 and I've been wearing them ever since. Sometimes I use the superiors, um, mostly the long teeth. I have a, I overpronate quite a bit, so I can't use a, a shoe that has a high stack height because mm-hmm. it'll just, my foot will just cause it to roll and it'll, the shoe will be like at a weird angle. So I need shoes that aren't as, as tall on the heel. So, Okay. That was one reason I went with the ultras because the the heel was lower to keep it, you know, there's zero drop thing. Um, Did you put insoles in? No, no. I have fairly narrow feet too, so I don't have any problem with that. And my feet are they're not flat, but there's not much of an arch, so. So basically exactly the opposite of my feet. Damn. Yeah, you have a big arch. I have high arches. I have high insteps. I have neutral feet or a neutral gait, so forth and so on. But anyway. As long as everybody wears long peak except for you, it doesn't matter because then you'll know (laughs) if you're on the trail or not. That's right. Because you you just follow the, the long peak footprint. Did you find yourself following footprints while you were out there? Yeah. Well, yeah, I could. Everybody, most everybody had the Lone Peaks or the Ultras. So you're always following those kind of tracks. And um, I know one morning, <laughs> this is pretty bad. So you camp at Lassen Park. And, and I got going that morning and I'm going along and it's like, Wow, there's all these deer tracks on the trail. This is weird. There's no print. That's pretty kind of weird. A deer must have come through after the hikers that went through, you know. And I get going and <laughs> I walked like two and a half miles on the wrong trail. I should have known when there was no <laughs> no shoe tracks on the trail. You were going where no man had gone before. Just deer, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of animals. Uh, I, I saw that you met, uh, in person, Smokey the Bear. Yeah. 
saw Smokey in uh, Cascade Lock. Yeah. Was he or she, I guess? I don't even know what the, the gender of the bear is, but um, were they out for trail days or something else? Yeah, they were. I got into Cascade Lock basically Sunday morning uh, of trail day weekend, so I kind of missed the whole thing. But yeah, Smokey Bear was still there. Got to meet him. I don't know if the person in the costume was a him. I'm pretty sure it was a her, but I think Smokey Bear was a him. Okay. So, yeah, so I kind of missed trail days, but there was a lot of people that I had been seeing on the trail there, so it was, it was great just to spend time with everybody Sunday. And uh, I didn't think I'd be able to resupply in town. I thought I was, because I thought I would eat, everything would be sold out, but the resupply was still good at the little store there. So even after trail days. I have a feeling that uh, Cascade Locks is familiar with what happens during trail days. Could be. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun to go back there this year and see a lot of the people again, but it was different not being a hiker too. So how so? Well, there's all the, all the current hiking classes there and, you know, they have their packs and then, worn out clothes and you know all that stuff and they're all you know hanging out together and stuff so kind of miss that that kind of camaraderie did you retire your your hiking clothes when you got finished with the trail so my shorts i did i they were pretty much worn out i actually made it through the hotel with the same pair of shorts though i sewed parts of them up several times um but the liner was pretty much disintegrating by the time i finished which wasn't the most comfortable um (laughs) so i still have them but i have not put them on since so why do you still have them i don't know actually i think i was gonna give a talk to some groups and i had them for that to show what I wore and I just never got rid of them since the shirt though I have used a lot since the trail the shirt was amazing so it was a Columbia Silver Ridge shirt and I I hiked the Wonderland Trail on it, I hiked the Tahoe Rim Trail, I hiked the Colorado Trail, and I hiked all of the Crest Trail with it, and I hiked, I hiked 100 miles of the Arizona Trail again last November with that same shirt, and it's still workable. It doesn't look very good anymore. It kind of got faded black, but the shirt's still gone. <laughs> Great shirt. So Well, in, in hiker circles, it's like uh, vintage. Yeah, it's seen its, seen its miles. And, yeah, I don't know. I People get the, like, the Silver Ridge lights, and I, those things seem to wear out really fast. So I would avoid those, just get the regular ones. But my wife did get me a new one for Christmas this year, so I probably won't wear it again. So you may retire it as well? Yeah. <laughs> it got like these black it's like because there's all the dust in southern california and it's filled with 
black from the fires and stuff. So it just got these black lines where the pack straps on on my back. So it's, it's really dingy. Yeah. So yeah, I probably won't wear it anymore. <laughs> you could do a, a pseudo burial at sea. There's no holes in it. I mean, from where? So I think I caught it on a cactus on one of the sleeves when I was out last January. So I think <laughs> it might have a hole in one of the sleeves. Yeah, but yeah, I just wore shorts and that shirt the whole trail. And, uh, and I had some darn tough quarter cushion socks, three pairs. I don't know how many I went through. I, the, the ones I started with were pretty warm before I started. So I got two new pairs fairly quickly. And, uh, yeah, so that's what I wore the whole trip. I can go into more clothes if you want. <laughs> I, I think I'm good on the clothes. But I, I did wonder what your trail name was out there. So I never got one. Wow. So I never, ex- I never accepted one. Okay. What were they There's throwing a way at to you? Put it. So the first one um, was microburst. Microburst? Microburst. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, there's a story behind that, and it might include what you think it includes. So, we went out of Warner Springs and hiked up to Mike's place. And so I kind of spent the afternoon at Mike's place and had teeth and stuff. And then we left Mike's place and went a few miles um, up onto this ridge. And it was super windy. And, uh, I mean, super windy. And I always Kelly camp pretty much all through until a Sierra. And um, so I just was worried about stuff blowing away. And the next morning is still super windy. And I had an urgent emergency and I couldn't just go get up and take care of that because all my stuff would blow away. So, (laughs) (laughs) so you, ah. so I had a little mess. It's a little mess. And then, when we got to Mary's place, it's a little farther. This gal, Mary, she has like a place with a table and a tank of water and you can even do a shower and stuff. So I basically went in the shower and cleaned my shorts a little better than I could before and stuff. And so Hillbilly, they, they were kind of razzing for that. So <laughs> Of course they were. So basically... It was so windy and stormy, and I messed my pants, so microburst. That was like, yeah, microburst. But I really didn't like the story, and here I am relating it to you. I know. But, so I didn't, I just didn't. I probably should have taken that, but I didn't. And then um, at Cascade Locks, a guy named Jelly really wanted to name me Horse's Name, and he was really pushing to call me Horse's Name. What? Say that again? Horse's name. Horse's name? Horse's name, yeah. So, and there's actually a really good story here. So, <laughs> Like the first one wasn't good? 
Well, it was one I liked. I, I liked the story, but there's this creek, Russell Creek, okay? And it's probably the worst creek crossing in Oregon. I mean, none of them were bad when I went through, but it's one where you got to pay attention and, you know, there's a lot of water going across the creek and stuff. So, anyway, right at Russell Creek, there was a dead horse in the creek right next to the trail. So, basically, his reasoning is the creek must be named after the horse, and my name is Russell, so horse's name. So, <laughs> so he was really pushing for horse's name, but I didn't like the name at all. But that one didn't stick. Was there another naming ceremony? Or almost naming ceremony? I don't know. I always had a bag of Fritos with me, pretty much. So somebody said, your name should be Fritos. And I think I said, yeah, it probably should be. But I never even thought of actually taking that as a name. That was it. Yeah. I just went by Russell. Everybody knew I was Russell. And I thought somebody meant, because half the trail, I'm basically going on about how I'm trying to get some road so I can get off trail to go to my 40th high school reunion. So I thought somebody would come up with a name because everybody knew I was going to be going to my 40th high school reunion while on trail. So, But that, but nobody was inspired by that. No, I guess not. Uh-uh. So, so what am I going to announce this episode as? I don't know. <laughs> Just Russell? Yeah, I guess so. It's, uh, that was one thing going into the hike. I mean, being 58 years old and having Russell, the whole men names who suits me fine. I've always been happy with it. So I kind of figured I'd need something I really liked or wanted to change. So I don't consider myself a different person or a different character or anything like that while I'm on trail. It's just a part of part of me. So I never felt the real need to to worry about getting a trail name. Okay. So uh so just Russell. Yep, just Russell. Where where are you originally from? Where was your high school reunion? I grew up in Des Moines, Washington. Um okay. which is near SeaTac. And I went to high school in Burien, Washington. Mm-hmm. Yeah, John F. Kennedy High School. So so I got up there and went to one of my reunions, which was interesting after being on trail for so long. And it was on a cruise off of, um, like, oh, what is it? Through the Lake Union and the locks and stuff up there. So I was trapped on a boat, so I couldn't even, like, go get away from everybody and stuff. I mean, I was having a great time. It was wonderful to see everybody and stuff, but it was overwhelming at the same time. So, Did you have any issues with going from walking 20, 25 days, 20 to 25 miles a day to being pretty stationary? When I finished the trail? Well, when you finished the trail, yes, but also when you took a little time off for the The reunion. reunion. Yeah. So, no, I I went into 
I got a ride to Medford, Oregon, where I rented a car. I drove up to a reunion, and driving was interesting. I had to take all these stops all the time, and it took me a long time to drive, a lot longer than I would have normally, because um, I just had to keep stopping and getting out and doing stuff. And um, so there's that, and then the next day, I did stuff with my family. I probably walked. I stayed with my mom. I probably walked a few miles there. And then the day of the reunion, I know I walked around a bit. And then I might have put an extra day in there. Yeah, I think I put an extra day in there. So switched the first day and the reunion day. And then, um, and then I drove back to uh, Medford, dropped off a car, and then got a ride to sisters and got back on the trail so yeah no i was busy so and i was always moving around so no i didn't notice that at all so just when you were driving really yeah it was just hard to deal with sitting for hours on end so i had to get out and walk around after the trail i i just started hiking again so i so you didn't really stop yeah i mean they were shorter and it wasn't necessarily every day but i'd go out and do eight or ten miles or something like that pretty frequently when you were out there what was i forgot to ask this initially but what were you using for tent and sleeping bag and uh yeah so i had an enlightened equipment enigma 20 degree enigma quilt And it's probably not as warm as the 20-degree quilts they have now because I think they started putting a little more down in them. And uh, for a tent, I had a tarp that I made myself. So I used a tarp. Did you put a netting in it? Yeah, I made this little net tent thing to go inside it. And I had that sent to me at Tekene Meadow South. So my wife sent me, and I, and I made my backpack too. And she sent me a different backpack, my bear pack, bear can, and a net tent thing, and um, my hiking pole because I forgot them when we left the house. I just didn't use hiking <laughs> poles until I uh, got to the Sierra. And um, oh, and she sent me micro spikes, and I think that was it. Now, where did you find the designs for your pack and, and your tent or tarp? So there's this guy who pretty much created lightweight backpacking named Ray Jardine. I don't know if you've heard of him or not. I have. I have. I actually have his book somewhere around here. Yeah, Trail Life. So it's pretty good. So basically, he, sell, he and his wife, Danny, sell kits. So I just got the kit and sewed those up. And they come with all the instructions and they come with the materials. Um, oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So I sewed his tent or his tarp and his net tent thing. And then there's like, a, he calls it a bat wing, but it's basically an end. So if you're, the wind switches or weather gets bad, you can close one end of the tarp up. So I sewed one of those. And I sold my two backpacks from this kit. 
So were you a sewer beforehand or? The only sewing experience I had beforehand was sewing badges onto <laughs> my Boy Scout uniform. So no. So, <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's, it's pretty easy and yeah, my seams don't look that great, but it's okay. It, so it how did, held up. I was going to say, how did it hold up? How did, how did both of them work for you? So I used the same pack on the Wonderland Trail and the Colorado Trail and the Pacific Crest Trail and a bunch of other stuff. So that pack's probably got 4,000 miles on it. No, not that many, but a lot. And um, the tarp, I've taken it on a lot. It's mostly in my pack. I mean, I'll go out in Arizona and I don't even take a shelter half the time because it's not going to rain. And, uh, yeah, but they, they've held up real well. I had a different pack that would fit the bear can. So okay. my wife sent me that one and that I got behind on. It's like the day before I was going, I was finishing up the pack. So I never even tried it out until I was on a trail. So I was a little worried that something would come unravel and I'd be in a big mess, but it worked out fine. How heavy? What was your base weight? Do you know? I think around 11 pounds. That includes my fanny pack and my camera gear, my camera and um, battery and stuff. So, yeah, probably about 11 pounds. So not too bad. The most, yeah. Other than Smokey the Bear, did you have any uh, encounters with animals? I saw a number of snakes out there, but... Yeah, I saw, I don't know, maybe seven or eight rattlesnakes. Saw the deer, obviously. Saw some coyote. Saw a fox. A fox? Nice. Yeah. It was going, the day I went into Casa de Luna, there was a fox walking in front of me for a few hundred yards. And I saw one bear which I wouldn't have seen if I didn't add those extra miles on last week. Cause, <laughs> cause I, I, it was actually, I'm kind of glad I did. Cause I went off. So I got almost five miles extra and I got back on the trail and, and right there you cross the river and I crossed the river and on the other side, there was a scout troop. So I talked to them for a while. I volunteered for the boy scout for several years. So I enjoyed talking to the scout groups are out so i talked to them for a while and then right after that i saw the bear i just heard some noise and a cloud of dust and i saw the ass end of a bear running away from me so (laughs) that was the one bear i saw but yeah not too much i mean just deer and there wasn't a lot of deer until gosh i don't remember where the deer started showing up but there was big stretches without anything really just you and the sun and your thoughts. Yeah. Thoughts are good. Thoughts are very good. What was like your most difficult time out there, most challenging time out there? So the worst time was, so I took three days off and done fear because my shin was bothering me. Right. And it was still bothering me when I got back on trail. And so I started going up 
and then you're, you're like going into Castle Crags area. You go by Castle Crags and stuff there. And that was like the hardest part of the trail for me because my shin still hurt. And I had 1,150 miles to go. And I was just thinking, I can't do this. I can't manage this pain for 1,150 miles. And so that was, yeah, that was hard. And I decided I could at least get to Oregon because I was like, I don't know, 200 miles, a little less than 200 miles. So I can at least get to Oregon. And, but it, it got better the next few days. It got better and better. I slowed down. I was only doing like 25 miles instead of 30 miles. So. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds bad. A I'm snail's gonna take pace. it easy. I'm gonna take it easy and only do 25 miles instead of 30. Yeah. Like when when it first happened, like or when you first came back onto trail and it was so painful. Did you give yourself any sort of, I guess, deadline? You know, if it's not better in three days or however long it was going to take you to get to the end of California to reevaluate things or it just was naturally progressing in the right direction anyway. So you didn't need to worry about it. Well, like I mentioned, I, I told myself I can at least get to Oregon and then it was just evaluate things then if, if I need to evaluate things then, but I figured I at least go to there. But by the next day I could tell it was, getting better and I had figured out I think what caused the problem to start with which was I think I just got sloppy on how I walked um uh. and and I wasn't I was going back to walking longer steps and and stuff and it just yeah so I, I think it was just getting sloppy and it Kind of was the day I went into Lassen. I, what did I do? There's some town, I think it was Chester, Quincy, I forget. But I went into one town and resupplied and then got back on trail. And I, I did like 26 miles. And I mean, it was pretty fast because we got, I got back to the trail and there was some trail magic. So, I did, I, I think it was almost 20 miles or 19 miles from there, from like 130 to, to dusk or something like that. So I was moving pretty fast and it's a pretty easy day and and a lot of it was slightly downhill and I think just that slightly downhill walking really fast just caused problems. And uh, but it didn't really show up until a few days later so i mean like a week later i think i don't know i don't know the timeline anymore yeah it's all a blur now yeah i mean i can go back and look at my videos and stuff so i basically made sure i didn't do that sort of thing anymore and when it came on i didn't know it it was kind of weird i remember the first day it hurt I was walking funny and I didn't know if I was walking funny because my 
leg hurt or if my leg hurt because I was walking funny, you know? Chicken or egg? Yeah. And then the next day it was fine until later in the day. So, and then it just got worse. So, yeah, I was not real happy then. But, but it got better and then I was happy again. So, yeah. Did you ever at, at that, before you took the three days off, did you ever wonder, think about what about if you can't finish the trail and, and where, where did your head possibly go with that? I really didn't think about that. It just wasn't worth thinking about what I was doing, not happening. So yeah, I just didn't really think about it. I mean, I, I knew if something happened, I had to get off trail. There's always fairly easy access in and off the trail if that happens. You know, you get to town and you can figure out where to go to get back home. I always knew like if something happened at home that needed my attention as opposed to something that my wife couldn't manage, which would be really surprising to me that I could get home, you know, within a week at the most, right? So the idea that if I had to get off trail, I could get off trail, was, I, I knew that, and, I, and my family knew that, but I never worried about it until I left Donsmuir. And, uh, and it was, I had taken three days off, and it was still hurting. So, yeah, that was my my down in the dump time on the trail. But that was pretty much it. I never worried about it really before that or once it started getting better afterwards. What was your most favorite time or or moment, experience, whatever, on trail? So I, I can't answer that. I, I really, I just, I just can't. I had such a, a wonderful time on the trail. I always wanted to be out there. I mean, I, I never wanted to not be out there. I had a really good hike. There was never these times where I, I wanted to get off trail. There was times where I wonder what the heck I was doing out there. You know, why aren't I at home with my family or whatever like that? When would that come to you? Usually when I was somewhere where it, where it was just amazingly beautiful and, and, uh, and I couldn't, I didn't have a loved one with me to share that time. So, so that was hard. So I had a pretty difficult time on top of Mount Whitney with that because I knew that was a place that my wife would probably never, never be able to be. And it was such a beautiful day when I got on, on Summit at Whitney. And it was just a beautiful day. It was calm and it was probably 50 degrees or 55 or it was just a beautiful day. And, um, and, uh, she wasn't there to share that with and my daughter wasn't there to share that with. So yeah, that was, that was the hardest thing I think was getting to these places where it was 
so great to get to. And the reward of getting there by foot at three miles an hour makes it even more special. And then the people that I love and love me aren't, aren't there to, to share that with. That was, I think, that always kind of made the great stuff not as great. But it was still great. I, it's hard to say. And it's kind of an emotional high and low at the same time. Um, it's been emotional, emotional time. Yeah. I call my wife and talk to her as often as I reasonably could. And um, so I always tell her I'd miss her. And she'd always just say, well, it's your own fault. <laughs> <laughs> And I go, well, yeah, but I still miss you, so. The sympathy was lacking. Well, it was my choice to be out there, so. And I think she would have preferred me to be at home. So are you going to do another one of these long trails? I don't know. When I was finishing up the trail, I probably would have said no, just because they're so disruptive because they take so much time. So being on trail for four and a half months longer, it's just a, a lot happens away from things. So it's just disruptive from everything else. So I would say no. And then this past year, it's like, I'd love to do it again. And, um, my wife, we we were listening to a bunch of hiking podcasts and stuff when we did our road trip up to Oregon and Washington this summer. And so she might even think of doing a trail. So that would be cool. Yeah, so maybe. But I need to work up more years. And I can retire for good. Then you'll have a lot of free time on your hands. Yeah. I hope I'll still be healthy and can still walk then. So. Did you have much experience with trail magic or trail angels while you were out there? Yeah, somewhat. So the second day, somewhere between Lake Marina and Mount Laguna, you cross this bro highway. And it was Cinco de Mayo. So there was some people doing Cinco de Mayo trail magic. What does that mean? They had like Mexican sodas and I think they might have had Mexican beers, but it was hot. I didn't want a beer. So I had a uh, Mexican soda. So yeah, so they got like some orange drink with a Mexican label on it. Like a Fanta or something? Yeah, but it it was all that. It was made from Mexico. It was bottled in Mexico and and stuff. And then they had, I don't know, chips. Not like potato chips, but, you know, corn chips kind of thing. Like a tortilla chip with the. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was Cinco de Mayo. So that was my first. And then there was just uh, other things along the way that, uh, yeah, there was people just set up a few places and had drinks or food for you. That was always really nice. 
um, there was uh, the people that they do it every year, kind of off of some highway, a little before you get into uh, Lake Tahoe. I forget the highway. But they get they, they do fundraisers for the PCTA and stuff like that. So they had they cook you a pizza or burgers and they had all kinds of drinks and stuff and that was great. That was like really nice food wise. The hitch hitches you get into town was always or back out was always pretty nice. You know the the long term trail angles that I guess couple of them are closing shop this year, like Casa de Luna, the Andersons, and the yeah. stuff like that, Hiker Heaven and stuff. So that's pretty amazing. Um, the stuff they did at Warner Springs and yeah. When I was, I got off trail to go to my reunion in Sisters, the highway that goes to Sisters, Oregon. And I actually tried hitching the other direction to get to Salem, I think. I thought it'd be easier to hitch to Salem and rent a car there and go um, drive up to Seattle from there. And I just couldn't hitch for like, I I mean, I just couldn't get a ride. And there was other people hitching into Sisters and they kept getting rides. So I just gave up and went across the road and I got a ride into Sisters. But it was this couple, they had been out hiking and... uh, Mary and Damien, and um, so they lived in Bend, so they basically said they could take me to Bend, but it'll be a while, because they had some stops, so we went, <laughs> and, and uh, but no, it was, we stopped at this place and played a round of Frisbee golf, that's, they, they were basically doing the, stopping to play Frisbee golf, so. Um, they gave me a beer. I played a couple holes of the frisbee golf with them, and uh, and then um, then they took me to dinner at this fish and chip place. It was really good, and then they let me stay at their place for the night. And so I washed my clothes and got cleaned up. and And then the next morning, Damien drove me to Medford, Oregon, to the airport where I could rent a car. And uh, yeah, so that was amazing just super amazing trail magic and uh Damien's a landscaper and he gave me a little white crystal rock so I carried that all the way up to Canada and um I'm looking at it right now actually so nice yeah a little a little bit of the trail or trail community with you they were they were just wonderful and there's all kinds of little traumatic people are just so amazingly beautiful everybody's so kind and treats you so nice and and with care and love it's just amazing it it was just beautiful to behold that throughout the hike and to be a part of that and to receive that kindness and, and stuff throughout was just amazing so yeah it was wonderful were you expecting i mean i know everybody talks about it but were you expecting that 
going into it or were you kind of, I guess, surprised but at the random acts of kindness, so to speak, that that occur around the, the trail? I think I'd be more, I mean, I knew there'd be people setting up and handing stuff out here and there and stuff like that. And that was kind of expected, but it was never, I never knew when it was going to happen. So when it happened, it was a nice surprise. So, so yeah, here's one. I knew there was like probably this trail magic on Hat Creek Red. I heard that there was like a cooler out there and stuff. When I walked around the corner where it was, I wasn't even thinking about it. And I saw bananas and oranges hanging in the tree. And they had just, I mean, I, I just literally started crying on the spot. It was, it just took, I knew it was there, but I didn't realize it was going to be around that bend. And it just took me by complete surprise. And it was exactly what I needed at the time. So that was, yeah, that was just amazing. I think for me, it was best one. It caught me by surprise. And a lot of it, it, it was especially better when the people are there so you can thank them and uh, and give them your story. Because a lot of times they, they just want to hear how you're doing and, and stuff like that. And it's, it, yeah, really refreshing. And it's just nice to see the support and stuff that the community has become. Now, you had a note in your, I'm not sure if it was YouTube or Instagram, but about going back to Spider's Crossing and having to do an atonement. Right. Now, what was that about? When I got to Scissors Crossing, this guy was going up to Julian and he he saw the hikers um, walk, you kind of walk along the road for a while. So, he saw me, and so he thought he'd stop and give any hikers a ride up to Julian that would want a ride. And um, so it's basically right there at the road. And then, so I got the ride up to Julian and spent a few hours up there, and ate, got my pie at Tom's Pies and, and stuff. And when I got back, the ride back to the trail was at the bridge, which is a few hundred yards away. So there's like two roads that kind of intersect. And so there's this section between the two roads, which is a couple, I don't know, a couple hundred yards or something like that. So I didn't even realize, I just wasn't paying attention to things. So I missed that 200 yards of the trail. And um, I kind of realized and just was kicking myself for not going back and walking that bit because I didn't hike the whole trail. So I, I really made sure I hiked every inch of the trail after that. And then uh, a few weeks after I finished the trail went back home, I drove out the scissors crossing and walked those 200 yards. So I didn't miss any trail. Yeah, it was a lot of work just for 200 yards. yards? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of effort for those 200 yards. Yeah. 
so I had fun with the video. So yeah. Said my Hail Marys and stuff like that. And you will never transgress again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything that you feel like we should talk about that we haven't yet? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, you're going for sure now, right? You got start date yeah. and you got everything sorted out. So that's well, pretty good to hear. Everything sorted out is a relative term. But yes, I have a start date. I have a commitment to myself to be there. Now I got to sort out the rest of it. Yeah, because that's the hardest part is just starting, I think. Because it's, it's uh, yeah, I mean, you were, from your other episodes, you were, another opportunity came up and you were not sure and stuff like that. Yeah. That's tricky. That's tricky. How you can do it. So I hope that works out for you. And I, I, I can't imagine not having a great time on the trail. Yeah. So, yeah, get your gear and stuff and try to get in reasonable fitness before you start. Um, I think that helps yeah. a lot. Yeah. That's the big push right now. Since I've been gone for two months, the you know I was in I was in pretty good decent shape before I left, and and now I've you know how how slowly it builds and how quickly it goes. So while I'm not starting from ground zero, I I'm certainly feeling it this week because this was the first week, or last week was the first week that I was back kind of full time trying to get back in shape, and I feel yeah. It. Yeah, because some things come back quick and other things take a long time. So your muscles get strong quick, right? But then your connective tissues take a lot longer. Yeah. And and to get their strength, and that's why people get overuse injuries, is because they go the muscles feel good, but then the other stuff's not ready. And <laughs> yeah. And then the other thing is. Your your circulation system changes. You get all these capillaries in your muscles and stuff like that, and that's what causes you to be able to walk all day. Is your energy transport system just gets robust, and that takes a lot of time. And that's why people get sore at the start of the trail because that stuff's not ready. And and by the time they're you know into the Sierra, then that's finally coming along. So. If you can get all that done before, then you're not going to be, you'll just have a, a much more enjoyable time. You may do the same mileage and stuff, but you'll, your recovery will be ready. Uh, your body will be ready, more ready to recover and stuff like that. If it's building things instead of maintaining things, there's a big difference in how you recover and stuff like that. I have my fingers crossed. I'm honest enough with myself to know that, you know, taking those two months off set me back and, and that there will probably be some building that happens on the trail. But I'm really going to try to be present about doing the recovery, you know, and, and, and taking care of my body and particularly my legs and feet while we're in the desert. And, and then uh, hopefully it will carry me the rest of the way without complaint. Yeah, that's you just got to do the best you can. People say you can get in shape on a trail, but 
I think. Those people are 20. Well, not even that. I think if they would see the difference of being ready or close to ready when you start as opposed to working your way into things, um, they would never say that again. So <laughs> it's easy to talk about something when you don't know the benefits of something. So True. Very true. So, yeah, I, I wish you the best. I Thank you. Jealous. I'd love to do that stuff again. I'm going to be I'm sure sitting at home and uh, what I did last year. So I did a daily vlog and I last year or this past year, I watched each day's video on the day that I hiked to the year before. And it was interesting to do. It was fun. I'm sure it was probably a little bittersweet. Yeah. Well, my videos were short enough where it didn't take a lot of time. I couldn't have done like a 20 minute video a day. I, I don't think I can manage that. But um, watching five minutes was good for me. And it was a great remember, great memory. So where, where can people find you if they want to follow your continuing adventures or have any questions for you? Yeah, I've kind of not been doing so much lately on social media, but I have my my YouTube channel is Russell in the Bush. And usually if you search YouTube with Russell and TCT, that's good enough. Um, Russell in the Bush is pretty common. It brings up all kinds of stuff. But I'm the guy with the big gray beard on the <laughs> TCT. Perfect. And uh, for my Instagram, I should probably change it sometime, but it's basically my First initial and my last name. So R. Horseman. That's C O R S, like Frank M A N. Okay. And then. Perfect. I kind of troll. Well, troll the wrong word. I kind of pay attention to the PCT class Facebook pages, and that's just my name, Russell Corfman. But I, I don't gather tons of friends on Facebook. No worries. I think the last time I was on Facebook personally was a year ago. <laughs> yeah. So people say they do that because it just gets boring or whatever. And mm-hmm. what is yeah. boredom? It's not being in the moment. It's wishing you were doing something else. So, yeah. So, if I'm bored, I try to get back in the moment, so not distract myself. I, I've talked to a couple of people who have really gone down that rabbit hole. It's interesting having those conversations with them because I, I think the the impact of the thought process is still a lot of times just hitting them mm-hmm. or, or kind of still needs to be weighed uh worked through, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I didn't have any issues that I was running from or dealing with. So I, I didn't have those sorts of things weighing me down um, to have to deal with. So maybe that makes it easier. I can imagine it would be a lot more difficult if you were fretting over something and like that. I remember I got a hitchhike into Truckee 
and it was July 4th and this gal was shit faced drunk and but she figured I had to be running from something and she wanted to know my story and it was I mean she was getting mad because I wouldn't tell her my story I just I just like enjoy this I just want to be walking I'm just having a great time there's not a lot more than that and <laughs> I'm not running from anything. I'm not chasing anything. I'm not. I'm not like trying to get away from my family. Nothing like that. They're all cheering me on. (laughs) Yeah, it was fun. All right, Aaron. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking to you. Links for Russell's gear can be found on our website at hiking-through.com. Special thanks to Russell for sharing his stories from the trail and Maya Wynn for the use of the song Try Again. I hear over and over again on this podcast that the experience of through hiking is really about the people, the tramleys that you hike with, the angels that help, and the people that sprinkle magic along the trail. So in this crazy time, I hope you reach out to your people and make sure everybody is safe and sound. I'll see you on the trail. Mm-hmm.